AJ Jones, here we are for another episode of Keeping Up With The Joneses. We are, in fact, here. I want to keep up with you. <laughs> Tell me how your week was. Best of luck. <laughs> um, my week was uh, good. It was a busy week, but there's not much fun stuff to report. Like, you know, kids starting school and doctor's appointments and kindergarten screenings and that kind of stuff. And lots of little kid birthday parties with lots of screaming and running around. Right. Busy week, but not the type of stuff that makes a podcast interesting. No. Next, tell me some funny stories. Tia, our five-year-old, had us in stitches today. Oh <laughs> There's a phrase that my mother used to say when we were kids. That she would say, I love you so much I could eat you up. Which, if you think, taken literally, is an absolutely horrible phrase to say <laughs> to a child. But we say it to our kids all the time, oh, you're so cute, I could eat you. So today Tia made a startling case for why she should not be eaten. <laughs> <laughs> she, she started with, but I have boogers in my nose. <laughs> and we're like... What's your point, darling? Well, if you ate me, you would eat my boogers, and that's gross. And so I was like, of course, well, I love boogers. They're the best. She's like, but then I have blood, and I have bone. And there's stuff in my ears, she said. <laughs> and if you were to chew on my teeth, it would hurt your teeth. <laughs> but the, the, and I rest my case, my lord, was when she said, um, you can't eat me because I have a heart and Jesus lives in it. And so you'd have to eat Jesus too. And you don't want to eat Jesus. <laughs> so, so clearly she's going to be a lawyer. <laughs> or something. Or but something, it was, for sure. It was quite funny. Um, and my other favorite thing, I tweeted this, we, were, we haven't watched Up in a while, certainly. Micah John has never seen Up, so... I was introducing my kids, as all good fathers should do, to the Pixar um, movies. And so we're watching up. And you know that beautiful scene, babe, where, you know, it's, it's, there's no dialogue. It's the beautiful music. Um, and it just basically tells the story of how they meet and they get married and they fall in love and they buy a house. <laughs> yeah, I really don't like they up. Try it's have depressing. Kids <laughs> and, you know, it goes through, 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 through. So I'm watching this and I happen to say out loud to nobody in particular, this is probably the most moving seven minutes in in movie history. <laughs> Tia, without skipping a beat, just goes, yeah, too bad she dies at the end. <laughs> so not a responder then, Tia. <laughs> so there you go. That was probably the highlight of my week. Just listening to my five-year-old be brilliant. We have a couple of readers' questions that we didn't get to last week. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I got an anonymous question. I'm not sure how I feel about anonymous questions. But this question says, in a marriage, how do you manage your best friend and be married? What do you do if your spouse doesn't seem to understand? So I'm not quite sure I understand. What the question is. Right, I'm not quite sure right. I understand the question. So whoever sent that in, if you can think about a better way of writing that. Sorry, that sounds terrible. If you can think... I'm, I'm owning that I don't understand the question rather than that you're a terrible question writer. That's not what I'm saying. But if you can think of uh, a way of helping me understand that a little bit better, we'll have a stab at answering that next week. Uh, another question this time, not anonymous, came from Amanda. And she said, hey, Ellen and AJ. Hey, Amanda. I love hearing your road to Nashville story, but I've always wondered what the transition was like when you arrived. Did Grayson already have a young adults ministry? Or did you have to form one? And what was that process and time like? What did you all learn? Well, we, we learned a ton. We learned a ton. Um, to start with, did it already have a young adults ministry? Uh, sort of, but it hadn't really been operating for a while, so we formed one. And uh, we knew we were coming here to 
uh, do three things. And one of them was to form a young adult ministry. And um, I had been part of one in Toronto that was uh, fairly successful, and we liked uh, some of the stuff from that. We just started envisioning really what we wanted um, to happen. And so uh, we formed one. Yeah, we uh, had our first meeting I think like January 19th or something like that. And uh, to sort of a preliminary, hey, we're going to do this. If you want to join a school. Um, and right. And that was started us just in saying, February. We were just saying at the very first being, hey, this is who we are. And this is what we like. And we don't really know what we're doing, but we know that we love the presence of God more than anything else. And we're just going to follow the Holy Spirit. So if you want to come along, come along kind of thing. And people have seemed to. We're now yes. in our fifth year, four years, fifth year. Well, we're past five now, aren't we? I don't know. Five and I asked. And, and we and still do the same thing. We just, you know, want to spend long time in the presence of God. And then we love practical teaching and impartation. But I think the most powerful thing is our ministry time at the end, where mm-hmm. people can come in and experience and encounter God. And the prophetic ministry yeah. beforehand. I, I just love that. Uh, I almost love that there's no master plan because... That way, God gets to move probably more freely than if we had a master plan. Right. Another, it's odd for us as people who love plans to not have a master plan. But yeah, I don't know if that helps answer your question, but it was the transition was very easy when we arrived. We we loved it. We just kind of hit the road flying, and I've never looked back. We really, really loved it. Yeah, awesome. Well, this week, AJ, we were talking about what we want to talk about. And there's a bunch of topics we could have talked about, but I want to talk about two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Yes, let's. And the reason for this is a number of reasons. We were talking last week about revival, and you were talking about your journey into revival in Toronto. And so the two people we want to talk about this week is John and Carol Arnott. Woohoo! I don't think there's any hyperbole when I make this next statement that there's an awful lot in my life that I would not have if it was not for them. Yes. I would not have a revelation of the Holy Spirit and the Father and Jesus like I do now if it wasn't for John and Carol. Yes. And I wouldn't have you as my wife. No, most likely not. And as a result, I wouldn't have the children I have (laughs) or the ministry I have. It's true. We wouldn't be here. No. So we owe them a huge debt. Mm -hmm. They've just been... Significant isn't isn't a big enough word. Absolutely significant. Mm -hmm. I, I thank the Lord. I thank... Lord, that's right. I thank the Lord for them <laughs> all the time for what they've done for us and what they've done for countless thousands of people all over the world. Yeah, they're yeah, wonderful. Tell us how you first met them. Uh, well, I first met them uh, at the church. I think I can't remember if I've told that story. We've told uh, the story many times. You mean on the podcast? Yeah, on the podcast. All right. Well, even if you have. Some people might not have heard it, so tell it again because it's so awesome. I'll Give us it. the nutshell. The, the, nu- nutshell. the nutshell version is I got hijacked uh, by a friend and brought to um, their church. And I didn't want to go, and I was mad, and I was sitting in the back in protest. And um, the worship started, and uh, at this particular time in my life, my father had killed himself a few months before, and I was an absolute mess, completely obsessed with killing myself. And they started singing this song called, Father, I Want You to Hold Me. And uh, I remember hearing a horrific noise, and it probably took me about 30 seconds, which sounds really bizarre, 
to figure out I was making it, but I howled. I mean, just howled as I was sort of getting in touch with core pain. Which is unusual because at that point you were ridiculously shut down. Really shut down. I didn't, yeah, I didn't talk really. I, and I never let anybody see me cry and I could not get it together. Like, so here you are in a new church mm-hmm. wailing uncontrollably. Wailing with one of the most shy people you've ever met in your life <laughs> sitting beside me, poor Sandy. Should probably buy her something. But and how many people are in the church? Oh, maybe 60. Wasn't very many. Okay. So it's not like you could have got lost. Mm-mm. You were no. Everybody looked at me at some point during the worship set because I mean I could be heard over top of any volume of worship. Um, and uh, anyway, at the end of worship, I sat down only because Sandy pulled me down into my chair, probably because she was dying a thousand deaths. And uh, <laughs> I don't think Sandy realized just how much was stored up within me. Uh, and at the end of the service, you know, John had spoken, and at the end of the service, he said, there's somebody here that needs to know that Daddy loves them. And um, <laughs> Good guess, John. Yeah, good guess, John. Could it be the chick <laughs> losing it at the back? Um, keen sense of the obvious. Uh, anyway, I remember thinking to myself, I'm not going up there. There's 60 people in this room watching me. But I, I seriously wonder if angels were pushing me. I remember my body getting up and walking up there and me thinking, what are we doing? Why are we going up there? You know, but anyway, walked up and John opened up his arms and I walked into his arms and I cried all over that man for about 40 minutes. It's not tears, the whole scenario. And they pretty much have had me since then, whether they wanted me or not. (laughs) But you just, you sobbed and snotted all over that shirt. You never saw that shirt again. No. And still to this day, when we asked John about the shirt, he just smiles. He never says anything. So for a while there, we were buying him a new shirt every Christmas, weren't we? Just to make sure that we <laughs> Hey, John, we owe you a shirt. Hey, John, since you're not going to tell us, we're just going to buy you another shirt. So you met them, as we discovered last week, way before Revival ever hit. Mm-hmm. A couple of years before. And then they just parented you back to life, really. Yeah, I mean, to begin with, it was just, you know, Sunday mornings, they would, you know, it was mostly John, and John would see me and just love me or pray for me or give me a hug or, you know, stuff like that. And then um, a little later on when I was doing things like uh, hitting other youth leaders at church, Carol would call me aside and have little discussions about not punching people at church and, you know, handy handy tips like that, you know. So, (laughs) um, yeah, and then, you know, when the renewal started, we basically all lived at the church. I mean, you just, you went every night. You didn't even have to talk to your friends about where you're going to be because you all knew you were coming back tomorrow night see what God was going to do. So, I um, I find it funny that, you know, before I'd ever met them, I'd read all this stuff on the internet about them. And, you know, you can Google a whole lot of nonsense about them. And now knowing them for, I don't know how many years, 10 plus years, and having lived with them for four of those years and having been by their side traveling the world with them for over a year, it's so funny that people could come to the conclusions that they have about them because truth be told, they're, they're, I don't know how to describe them. They're two of the most Jesus loving people I know. I mean, their, their love for Jesus is incredible and tangible. Really? And they actually, the two of them, they have a lot in common with the Holy Spirit, you know, in their personalities. <laughs> they're, they're ridiculously, fun to be around they're constantly emanating joy 
wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. They're constantly pointing towards Jesus. They are. They're constantly mm-hmm. pointing towards Jesus. That's a very good point. And they're very humble. But they're, yeah, they're just incredibly joyful people to be around. I, I love them. They both have eyes of love. They're childlike. Oh, so childlike. Yeah. yeah, they really enjoy when God does something, even if it's new and even if they don't know what he's doing. They they don't panic. They just sort of go, okay, God. They're constantly asking him questions and, you know. I, I wonder if I have a a somewhat unique perspective on some facets of their life, you know, having traveled with them and been so close to them in the midst of ministry. I would be always be amazed at the consistency of the Holy Spirit honoring them. Mm. And what I mean by that is we'd, we'd go to so many different churches and different cultures and different countries, and the same thing would always happen. You'd walk in, and the atmosphere was pretty. It was, you know, either vibrant with excitement about what God was going to do, or on the other end of the spectrum, really stayed and full of unbelief. But the same thing always happened. The Holy Spirit would show up and just, just absolutely turn the place upside down so gloriously. And I think part of that was their utter confidence, yes, that the Holy Spirit was going to show up, but also utter dependence on the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. knowing full well, Lord, if you don't show up, then it's just another meeting. And, uh, you know, I remember being in Oxford University in the theology department, (laughs) so much in the Holy Spirit just fall on these students and on these professors and just have an incredible time and then you know, go to Japan and seeing the same thing, you know, people all over the floor. But both John and Carol, you know, I'd be beside them and I'd hear them praying just these wonderful, beautiful, tender prayers of submission and honor to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder you'd... you'd but not, not wordy, just simple. Oh, yeah, so simple. Tell me some funny stories about John and Carol. Um, well, when we lived with them, we used to have... Quite a bit of fun. Carol and I used to have fun uh, hiding chocolate from you and John. How well did that work? It worked very well. You know, we had a stash. Are you on drugs? Dude, we had a stash that was... Did you just was, me? <laughs> dude, we had a stash that you were able to find, and we had the stash that we were actually hiding that you guys didn't find. I so, don't believe you. I always found chocolate within about 15 seconds of being in uh-huh. their kitchen. That was the ones you are allowed to find. <laughs> I think you're making it oh, up. Oh, no. Okay, I asked for funny stories, not antagonistic stories. Oh, well. Um, we we always knew we could get Carol to come down for a visit by cooking popcorn and opening the door between our apartment and their house above us. Mm-hmm. And she would somehow come up, she'd come down, like, and make up some excuse why she'd come down. <laughs> As kryptonite is to Superman, so popcorn is to Carol. It's true. It's true. Um, I remember John is uh, really funny. He's quite, well, he appears to be very random, um, but he's he's got a great track record in the midst of that randomness. Let's clarify. He's absolutely random. There's mm-hmm. no appearing. He is one of the <laughs> most random people ever, but he bats about eight or nine out of 10 for the Holy Spirit on that randomness. Yeah. So I remember this one time um, I had been in the midst of studying uh, God's generals and and had become fascinated with Amy Semple McPherson and was reading all this stuff on her and talking to the Lord about her and stuff like that. And um, while I was right in the midst of, you know, all this study of her, uh, I see John in the cafeteria at church and, and he's, you know, just putting his tray away and I'm putting my tray away. And 
And he says, AJ, you think about Amy Semple McPherson then? And I was like, oh, John, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, I've been studying her. Oh, so you know who she is? Yeah. Well, I just think you're so like her or something. And then he just like walked away. And for me, I mean, for him, it was just some random conversation. But for me, it was like this huge confirmation of like, okay, God, you're talking to me through this person and, and encouraging me. Um, and this was before I'd gone into ministry or anything like that. It was just uh, a fascination with the woman of God. Yeah, I would I would wonder how many decisions John has made and the ministry that John Leeds has made based on John's randomness that is actually the Holy Spirit. I remember once being at a conference and Jack Frost was speaking. And I don't know, there's probably a thousand people at the conference. And I'm on one side of the uh, church hall just, you know, trying to get uh, something done. Actually, I'm running an errand and I see John. John catches my eye. He's on the front row. And he beckons me to come over. And so it's kind of inconvenient because it means I have to walk in front of the whole auditorium, you know, right in front of all the TV cameras onto the front row where John is. And so I, you know, try and be as subtle as I can. I sit next to John and John's like, Alan, you see that young man over there? And I look to my right and, you know, while everybody else is seated on the other side of the auditorium, there's this young man standing up. I said, "Uh uh-huh. John says, go over and say hello to him. I'm like, Okay, so I get up and proceed to walk to the complete other side of the auditorium where I meet this young man. I just introduce myself to him, say hi. He's like, hi. I'm like, I'm Alan. He's like, hi, my name is whatever his name is. And I'm like, are you new here? And he's like, yeah. I was like, are you in John Conference? He's like, yeah. I was like, are you understanding what he's saying? And he's like, not really. So I just have this conversation with him, and a couple of minutes later, I you know, lead him to the Lord. And so we shake hands, said, it's really nice to meet you. Make sure you get somebody to pray for you before you leave. And I go back and sit next to John, and John's like, how did it go? I was like, well, I led him to the Lord and got him saved. And John's like, very good. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's just a classic Classic understated John John move. Mm -hmm. But you'd see him do that at all stages, you know, all stages of ministry-making decisions. It was just astonishing to me, including, you know, hiring people, Deciding where to go, his track record was amazing. Mm-hmm. Should I tell a story of uh, me dating you? Yes. So when I started, um, I went to school. I did five months of school, and then there's a whole story of how I ended up interning with John and Carol. But it's my first week interning with John and Carol. I haven't met them because they're somewhere on the road. And I fall in love with AJ. And I would like to date her, but I want to do it really honorably. I want to speak to John and ask his permission. And I want to speak to another man called Fred Wright and ask his permission. And Fred happens, both John and Fred would travel internationally all the time. So I met Fred first and introduced myself to him and said, hey, you know, I'm really interested in dating your spiritual daughter, AJ Jones. And so he grilled me for about 45 minutes in his office. I sweated profusely. Um, (laughs) I quoted lots of scripture so he knew I knew the Bible. And then he gave good me permission. Job, baby. He was good like, job. Yes. Well, Alan, I think that would be good. It's my Fred Wright impersonation. But because John was away, I didn't get to speak to John. And so we went out for lunch or, you know, we went on a date. And I knew I was going to be seeing John the next, uh, next couple of days. So my whole plan was to just say, you know, John, Carol, you don't know me, but I know that you love AJ. I know she's really important to you. And, you know, I'm an honorable man. I'd really like to pursue her. Can I have your permission? But, 
you know, John the Trickster already knew all of this mm-hmm. because our friend Stuart had given John a heads up that I liked you and that you liked yeah, me. Yeah, well, I was in the car. Thanks, right, Stu. Thanks, Stu, for that. So when I am in Virginia Beach and meet John and Carol for the first time, I'm already nervous. I'm already playing in my head what to say to them. And I'm, I, you know, John just turns the tables on me. When I pick him up at the airport, I'm like, hello, John, hello, Carol, it's great to see you. I'm Alan, and, you know, let me drive you to the airport. And the first thing John says is, what have you done to RAJ? <laughs> So I'm like, well, sir, I was wanted to speak to you first, and you know, uh, uh, and so I'm panicking. He's like, well, why don't we speak at the end of the conference? And I'm doing the math going because that's like five days away. You're going to make me sweat for five days, and of course he's going to make me sweat for five days. (laughs) Conference finishes, and it's like you know midnight, one a.m. And John's like, why don't we have breakfast tomorrow? And you can talk to Carol and I about you know AJ and your interest in her. So I'm like, okay, I go to bed at 1 a.m. I'm up at like 6 a.m. I'm having a shower. I'm cleaning my teeth. I'm having another shower. I'm memorizing cleaning my teeth scripture. again. I'm memorizing scripture. <laughs> I'm, you know, making sure that I, you know, can answer all his questions. And so I go to their room and they said, you know, come at 8 o'clock. And I go to the room at 8 and I knock on the door. And there's no answer. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, maybe they're downstairs. Like, what do I do? Do I knock again? I'd be terrified if I woke them up. So I wait anxiously, I knock on the door again, and after a couple of knocks on the door, Carol answers the door, you know, in her house coat, yawning, like, oh, oh, come on, come on in, oh, I didn't realize you were here, oh, gosh, well, let's get John out of bed, and I'm thinking, oh, God, this is horrible, this is like the (laughs) worst time ever, but there's cheery as well, come on in, we'll order room service, we'll all have breakfast together, so there I am, sitting in... (laughs) John and Carol's hotel room, and they're in their pajamas and their house coat. And, you know, as normal as can be, and I'm freaking out because they're my two heroes, and I'm trying to create a good impression on them. And so I just start speed talking. And what I haven't learned yet is John has a pretty short attention span. So, you know, you've got about less than a minute to convey your idea to John, or he's working out You might how get a to, whole two minutes sometimes. Never. Of how to take, you know... China for Jesus. He's planning, you know, global outreaches and revival. So clearly John is beginning to tune out as I start my 45-minute prepared speech. But Carol, she's a high responder. She's making eye contact with me. She thinks I'm just so endearing and sweet and earnest. And, you know, she's being a real mama and she's looking at me and she's nodding. And, of course, she thinks it's lovely that I love you so much. And and so I, I finished bead talking for 45 minutes. And as I finish, I said, so, you know, what do you think? Do, do I have permission to, you know, pursue AJ? And John pushes back from the table. He gets up and he walks off. Well, he had also been taking pictures of you the yeah, whole time. he had. Snapping pictures of of you in love. With a flash, saying. which yeah. was very helpful. But anyway, he yeah. pushes his chair back, walks <laughs> off to the other side of the room, and with his back turned to me, utters these immortal words. Well, Alan, it's all very interesting. But, you know... AJ could probably do a lot better for for herself. But she's pushing 30. She can't afford to be picky. So, sure, go ahead. (laughs) Now, I don't know John at all. So I'm like, is he joking? Is he serious? I think he's serious. So I'm like, oh, oh, okay, sir. And Carol scolds him. She chides him from the other side of the room. John! And John says, oh, I'm just teasing the poor boy. I think it's awesome. And that was my introduction to John's peculiar sense of humor. As I and then he suggested we should get married in three months' time. Yes, he yeah. did. 
which actually probably would have been a smart move, but Fred has had wait for four seasons, so yeah. we waited 11 months, and and then we got married. Technically, it was four seasons. Yeah, technically it was. All right, give me three things you love about John and Carol. Um, I love how consistent they are. Um, I think they love very well. Um, That's number one. Yeah. Consistent. You know they've been leading the longest-running revival in church history. That's consistency for you. But even just consistent on a personal level, you know, we know if we need them, they would be available. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's number one. Number one. Number two, um, they're just really fun. They are. So fun. They'll be up for anything. Fun and funny and adventurous and, yeah, and they like food. Number three? <laughs> I was going to say maybe not as much as we like food, but they like food. Um, number three, they're a great mama and papa for the kids. Oh, they are. They're so good. I think because they've been fathered so well by Heavenly Daddy, they're really good mom and dad. Like, they're amazing to us, and then they're amazing to their grandkids, to our to our kids. They mm-hmm. just love them so well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I I love it. I think it's one of the, the, the sneakiest blessings God has ever given me, that, you know, my children have multiple sets of grandparents, two of whom are John and Carol Arnett, just mm-hmm. these amazing revivalists. I just think, God, that is so amazing that they have that heritage. I just think it's wonderful. I I also I also love that, you know, they often talk about the whole thing of their ceiling is our floor. Like they really want their kids to go farther than they have. And I, I think I've heard that in tons of places, but they live it. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they really mean it. They open doors for you and, you know, encourage you and really want to, want to help make their ceiling your floor. Absolutely. And they're so earnest in that. If I was going to give you my top three things, probably my first one would be there. They manage to be humble and fun. Most, you know, the people who try to be humble come across, you know, really earnest, but not much fun. But these guys are just so meek and yet so loving at the same time. And I, I just think that's incredible. So you're absolutely right. They, they have done more to help us prosper in ministry than, than we absolutely deserve. They're incredibly generous in sharing their platform with their kids. We just saw them do that all the time with Steve and Sandra and Duncan and Kate and Stuart and Lindley and us and so many other people. They're just amazing at not having to have the limelight. I love that about them. Um, I would say the second thing I absolutely love about them is that they have such a high value on the healing of the heart. Yeah. And as a result, the same people you see on a stage are the same people off the stage. Yep. They're they're exactly the same at abs- home in their pajamas. Yeah, I love that about yeah. them. They're absolutely the real deal, 100% genuine. And uh, I just think that's remarkable. And then I think of the persecution that they have endured, the criticism, the slander, the backbiting, all the politics, yeah. and that they've come out of that not offended, more in love with Jesus. I... I just think that's amazing what they have modeled for the world. So it's yeah. no wonder that one of the messages they're most known for is 
the importance of forgiveness because they model it and carry it so well. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. So, John and Carol. We love you. We love you. And we're so grateful that you have invested your lives into the kingdom and produce such amazing dividends. We, When we look around the globe and when we see the people who are just impacting the kingdom, the one thing they all have in common is that they have been touched by your lives. And so yeah. we are so grateful for you guys. Yeah. What, what an extravagant gift from God you guys are to the body and to us personally. Yes. We feel so fortunate. You were saying earlier, AJ, that Again, no exaggeration, you probably wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for them. I'm pretty sure I would have successfully killed myself if it wasn't for showing up at their church where the love of God was so evident that it couldn't be ignored. You know the other thing I want to just throw in there? One of the Mm -hmm. other things that absolutely changed my paradigm is their view on spiritual warfare. I love that they have such confidence in God's love that it leaves no room to worry about the devil. I remember well, us being at a conference and the intercessors panicking and freaking out because there was witches in the conference. And John's reaction, I don't think I'll ever forget, he was like, oh, that's wonderful. Maybe they'll get saved. There was no sense <laughs> that there might be turmoil or difficulty. Uh, they're just, they're glorious hope and, and optimism just based on on Jesus, was just so refreshing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. They have an incredible conference coming up. Their Catch a Fire conference this year. Um, it's the 24th to the 27th of September. And it's going to be an incredible conference. It's all about the miraculous. They have Benny Hinn, mm-hmm. James Maloney, and John and Carol and Stephen Sandra are all going to be ministering. Um, and it's going to be an amazing conference. So if you are looking for a filling up, a radicalization of your faith. Uh, if you want to see signs and wonders, then I would really encourage you to head to Toronto, 24th to the 27th of September. You can find more information at catchthefire.com. And uh, I would love to go to that. Let's see if we can get some time off work and go to the conference. You got to go Mosey. in January. Maybe I get to go in September. No. I'm sure Mm-mm. that's how Jesus works Mm-mm. things. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, A.J. Jones, any closing thoughts as we wrap up this week's podcast? Um, uh, no, not that I can think of. I think I hear my pillow calling me, A.J., come over here. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that was your wisdom. <laughs> I will leave you with this thought. Don't fry bacon naked. It's a good, that's a good tip. <laughs>